0: Welcome to the Goodish Show, the show on SaaS marketing, from actionable tips and tricks
1: to insightful interviews with industry leaders hi welcome back to the goodish show Um, today we're joined by uh nika um she's from epidemic the ceo and co founder um so nika thank you so much for joining us today um i think influencer marketing is definitely a buzzword in 2021 so i think it's gonna be a super interesting chat um so first um, how are you how's your day going
0: well thanks for inviting inviting me Um, my day, my day is actually a great day, but this week, uh, all in all has been super intense, which is the good kind of intense because, um, as an entrepreneur, your worst fear is usually not having any work. So not concerned in that aspect, but yeah, otherwise it's going to be a pretty good Friday afternoon in like 26 hours. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect.
1: Yeah. Um, Epidemic is a really young company. Um, that has grown really fast and has become very influential um, in the influencer marketing industry. Uh, Would you mind telling us a little bit about your journey, about how Epidemic got started, and how you are now um, covering over uh, 20, 30 different countries in three continents um, around the world?
0: Um, Yeah, definitely. Love to first of all, disclaimer, it's 20, not over 20. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're now present in 20 countries and on, on three continents, um, which means basically US, Canada, Australia, and then the rest is in Europe. Um, we're as old as the actual epidemic, which is also um, kind of why we have this kind of um, Well, uh, at times, not the best name. Um, The thing was then that when we started um, Epidemic, we were like, okay, this influencer marketing, super interesting area. Um, And we we were basically observing how all the solutions in this place are divided in mainly into two sectors. Um, On one side, you have these digital solutions platforms, uh, which are in the biggest um, Well, the biggest, the majority of them is completely self-service. So it's like they have the technological solution. However, they make everything under the assumption that whoever is on the other side has the time and knowledge in the area to do their own influencer marketing campaigns. And then on the other side, there are the like digital agencies and similar, um, who usually just added influencer marketing to their service offerings. Um, and, um, they are super skilled in everything they do and like um, it's really a good experience usually. But they can sometimes lag the technological aspect of the solution. So we have decided to do like a combination um, and to um, we have developed the platform, our technical solution. I'm probably going to talk more about him uh, later. His name is Anton. Um, and then we have recruited a team of experts in the domain. So. Um, Basically, it's like an agency experience, but backed by technology to enable our scalability. Um, yeah, and we're, we're, uh, what I wanted to say is that with the help of this um, platform or algorithm, um, we find we use artificial intelligence to basically find the most appropriate people on social media to represent certain brands. And in this way, you can super efficiently spread the word. So we were looking for a name which would um, help us show the world how fast something can spread if you place it correctly. Uh, little did we know that this is going to be demonstrated in this way in the past um, almost two years. But yeah, so yeah, we're as old as the epidemic, late 2019. Um, and yeah, that's basically the, the story behind it.
1: Um, what an interesting concept it must have been when you were probably like in quarantine, working to develop this epidemic and um, it must have been such a funny moment, such a um, oxymoron, so to say
0: Yeah, for it to actually be happening, No, like at first it was like a huge internal joke all the time, like imagine this and then it was like could it be? And then like what the F <laughs> so then we consulted a lot like this a growth hacking community um, whether um, they believe that we should change the name we had very strong opinions in both ways um, towards yes and no and what we have decided for is like let's ask actually the stakeholders. So we had a lot of interviews with clients and with um, influencers. And what we found out was that surprisingly, and thank God, they weren't really connecting us to um, epidemic, to the epidemic. So um, yeah, the, the only response actually that we got was from one client in the US who was like, Yeah, I mean, when I received your email, I usually don't open these kind of things, but I was like, either it's concerning my health or there are some guys who are really crazy. This works. The second. (laughs) Yeah, the second.
1: (laughs) Nice. Um, And you also have like, um, you have grown your team quite a lot in the past two years. And if I'm not mistaken, it's a really young team that you're working with. Um, Would you mind telling us a little little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I think the average age is around 25. Our oldest member is 30. So yeah, something like that. Um, well, yeah, it's almost two years since the beginning, maybe a good year and a half. But the thing is that, you know, like um, last year, one actually, it was two weeks ago, we had the anniversary from when when we um, hired our first gar- girl next to the founders. So our first help, Alia, she's still with us. Um, and now we have we are 20 full-time and almost 40 all in all but like um also um with the freelancers that we're hiring in the countries where we're not as present as we should be to cover full-time staff. um so we were just, I was just pitching something on Tuesday and I actually counted the clients and everything. And we figured out that geographically wise, people wise and revenue wise um, in all those aspects, we've grown over 700 per, 700% in the last 12 months.
1: Wow, that's incredible, congratulations.
0: <laughs> Thank you. That's
1: really cool. Um, and you, if I'm not mistaken, you make sure as well to have um, a person employed from each of the countries that you work for so that you have someone that understands the language, the language and cultural nuances and can really like adapt um, the content that they're trying to create for that specific audience?
0: Yeah, the thing is like, um, we, were, we were researching a lot what would be the best, um, actually like the best combination between not going to um, price ineffective and not going to like way to just robotic as in um, automated automated, um, replies to influencers and stuff. And what we figured out is that the major factor concerning our Um, success in collaboration, in arranging collaborations with influencers is if we have somebody from the country. So in every country that epidemic is present, we have somebody local who speaks to them in their own language, but maybe even more important than the language is that um, somebody that knows the culture. I like, if you um, like, you can just read the chats that we have from our, um, from our CMs in Serbia and in France and in Canada. And it's like completely different thing is going on, completely different, but it's true. Like if you try to do it um, in one way, it just doesn't work because people aren't the same. Um, and we also think that it's a really good uh, addition to our team because already here um, we have a team of, I don't know how many, but I think at least five different nationalities. So our our first language in in epidemic is English. And I think that it's um, it's a really good uh, factor. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, And uh, previously, you mentioned Anton, which is your A.I. that helps you pick the right influencers for the right brand. And I'm sure that probably had like A big factor also in the scalability of your company because you were just able to reach out and and have the database of everybody basically that's on social media today um so basically what i was wondering is um does your ai then also reach out to these influencers or do you have then your employees actually reaching out
0: personally um well first of all about the the um the Anton in general, if you don't mind, I would just introduce him briefly. So everybody will know Um, Anton has a name because um, at some, like he's such a crucial member of our team that at some point he just started seeming wrong that uh, we call him algorithm or system. Um, Basically what he does is he uses image recognition and natural language processing to um, classify social media profiles on Instagram. to put it like in simpler words, he interprets whatever you post by whatever is happening on the pictures or videos mm-hmm. and correlates it to, with what you put in captions and bios. Um, mm-hmm. And this is his um, this is his like primary function. Um, however, his I would say like greatest greatest edge and our competitive advantage, which allowed us to grow, as you mentioned, um, is the discovery feature, which um, helps us. In a way that, um, unlike 99% of the solutions in this space, we don't look for influencers inside these limited communities um, that we have that were pre-existing. Um, our playground is the entire Instagram and all the public data. So this means that when we're looking for candidates, uh, best candidates for companies, we don't have to settle for semi-matches. We can go directly for the um, for the best of them, and then try to get them to join our community. This is also the way of how, like, of our greatest, um, I would say, um, growth engine in terms of um, community growth. And um, when it comes to reaching out, this is uh, the place where the mo- our most advances are happening in the last months, because we're trying to um, exactly change nowadays that you just asked. So. Um, every action that um, employees and epidemic are doing is getting more and more standardized until we can transform it to anton does it and the employees only are there then for the creative parts for the for the things that the human of the future does So think that um yeah we need like to be um Smarter than your average robot. Um, so basically, right now um, they are still doing the reach out messages. Um, however, they don't um, they don't have to do reminders manually anymore. Um, we're trying to piece by piece. We're transforming um, people into Anton.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you're seeing what can be automated and try exactly. automate that. But what needs to still have the cultural nuances is where you will use like an actual person to help out. Exactly, exactly. And
0: you know, like um, also the way how we grew was that when we began, we didn't have nothing. We were working, um, everything was done in Excel sheets. So there there was no surge, there was no nothing. Um, And we are now trying to make ourselves scalable in that way because now when business grows, for of the first few months, all we could do is get more people. And now we're trying to say, okay, no, let's push more into development and let's cut down on the extra people that we need to employ because you know we're, we have huge ambitions and then we don't want to have um, maybe 1,000 employees.
1: Perfect. And may I ask why Instagram
0: specifically?
1: Um, why not um, Twitter and YouTube and um, TikTok and so many other social media channels that are out there today?
0: Um, Well, actually, we were thinking among many different um, channels. We're also working on TikTok, but we're specialized in Instagram. Um, So over 90% of our um, revenue comes from Instagram, but we're also um, getting hands-on with TikTok because we're super eager to get to know it. But um, the biggest difference in the platforms that you just mentioned, except for Twitter, which was for us a bit... Well, first of all, Instagram it's not so big. And then secondly... It got a bit too political lately, and we're just um, trying to avoid it um, right now. Uh, But Instagram is super visual which is great with um, actually involving products and services. And um, the difference between, like for example, YouTube and um, TikTok and Instagram is that how many people are creators and how many people are strictly observers. On Instagram, you have some people who don't post anything, they just watch, but there are, they are really the rare ones. Um, normal mortals, like you and me, they would like we post something once in a while. Um, but you know, you use it to look at other people and to create. So almost everybody is also a creator. With YouTube, they're like, I don't know, l- much less than 1% It's like 0.00 something percent that are creators with TikTok a bit more, but still the ratio isn't as good as on instagram and what we wanted to do is digitalize word of mouth so basically bringing recommendations one level up you know like um nano influencers the normal people saying okay i tested this i love it you should try it or something completely different but um for that you need every um individual to make their own creations or posts yeah i
1: I really like the concept of digitalizing a word of mouth i think that's a it's a really interesting concept. Thank you. Um, let's talk about the influencers as well that you're reaching out to. So um, if, um, um, if I'm aware correctly, um, you don't necessarily reach out to celebrity influencers, but rather focus on micro, even nano nanobloggers. Um, so mm-hmm. micro bloggers are 3,000 followers or less and then um that of blockers are considered um 10 000 or less if I'm so why did you decide to um reach out to those specifically um stay away from the larger influencers and really focus on the the narrower more niche type of side of influencers
0: Um, Okay, so first I have to make a disclaimer. Um, Nano and micro are still by far the largest part of um, the things we do. However, we're no longer limiting ourselves to the small influencers because what we found out is that The size of the influencer is not like, um, you see articles all all the time, the smaller, the better, the bigger, the better. I don't know, something now, uh, uh, 20,000 is the exact right number for the best influencers. There is no such thing as the best in general you need to know what your campaign goals are and on the basis of your campaign goals you set the optimal mixture of influencers that you should include um so yeah in like i don't know in the past year we figured out um, this and now we're working with huge ones i don't know we have just recently opened um the german market for one brand which included uh, five girls among the biggest German um, influencer stars talking millions of followers. Um, But we're also still doing the majority of the small ones. Um, And yeah, to maybe um, to to answer your um, primary primary question. Actually, it was kind of funny because it came completely organically. And by that time, nano influencers were not called nano influencers yet. Um, The thing was that when we were starting, um, we were you know, beggars are not choosers, so I was just like calling from company to company and trying to make influencer deals with them. So we could test. Um Gashper, my co-founder is a data a data analyst. So we could test what happens after each campaign. Um and maybe find the find a pattern, you know, because influencer marketing was like a market like blowing blowing up. Um, but with kind of a wild west thing. You throw a couple hundred of bugs in and you wait if something will happen. And we said, Okay, you no, know, like for sure like this is all based on technology there must be patterns we just need to find them um, and there was this one client completely at the beginning maybe the second or third um, that said yeah but we don't we, we wanted to do normal influencer campaign and they said yeah but we don't have or i don't know or don't want to give um, money for paying influencers and we were like what do you mean this is how it's done you know and they said like no um we just can give them the tickets for this." techno festival something that we're having Um, and we were like okay I mean we of course we'll handle something we were not in the position where you say no Um, and um, we were thinking then in the evening and we said okay like if we cannot get money for them then they will not be big influencers because big influencers will never do it without money and then the second thing is the product was super specific so a techno festival it's like the best thing ever for some people yeah not for me and not for many other people it's like either you love it or you hate it um so we said okay so this is like a super specific case because we need to find smaller influencers who will be really nichely targeted so you know like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and what Well, actually in the end, we did it, we managed to find them. And the results were like, completely something different for, from all the past campaigns. Then we're like, okay, we're on to something. And this is how then we um, started then further pursuing this trying out with smaller influencers with the ones who are not officially influencers as you become with 10k followers. Um, and rather uh, than going to reach, going to targeted reach, to niche. Um, And yeah, and this is also one of the major reasons why we started um, with such a um, uh, such a heavy development, (laughs) because if you have to manage 10 influencers, then you don't really need so much of a system. Well, but we manage I don't know, like campaigns with 100, 200, 300 and you will you can you get crazy if you don't have a system or program that um, tracks it all and yeah
1: so where do you see the value between um or the ratio between quality and quantity in terms of um, the type of influencer that you're reaching out to so um is it better to maybe have free influencers that have over thirty thousand followers or better to have maybe a hundred followers um that are not actually asking for money but maybe just like the exchange for a product or something that um, you have like a hundred of those smaller influencers so where do you see um like a good golden ratio
0: there um yeah well that completely depends on what you want to do because um if you for example the small ones are if we just like think logically the small ones are um super credible they're authentic they're like the the nanos are you know you're ordinary girl next door so um since she's not paid you're not used to seeing ads on her profile so you believe her more when she tells your recommendation or when she shares her experience with the brand so sir they're super cool for social proofing for content creation because they're usually very eager to collaborate to do great content they're super happy if you then repost them and they will repost you back and there's this whole circle of um um, I don't know, just like good practices and goodwill, um, and they're good for this kind of things. And for, um, for example, for echo of the big ones, uh, for helping you with um, targeted giveaways, with um, um, maybe... I mean you have plenty of different things that you can do super targeted and uh, b- basing on um, being based on credibility and authenticity and then you have the um, next round, like micros, um, which in our um, in our experience perform well in conversion so for example. Um, you should give them promo codes links stuff like that but we usually only ins- insert them implement them however use them in the second phase of a co- of the collaboration so at first you bring the um, you bring the uh, brand to in instagram with the small ones so they organically start appearing and it's not just like you know push to conversion and then in the next one you try to convert those already people oh i saw this What? I can get a discount? Okay. You know, you're basically shaping a consumer journey, customer journey. Um, So, yeah, and... Shaping it in terms of a sales model. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And for example, if you have, like I mentioned before, if you're opening a market for a big client and what you need actually is a shout out and um, maybe... For example, if you are a, a big company um, entering a new market and you want to say, oh, now we're here as well, you don't need people to be cre- credible. You just need people to see you. You're going for rich. So you're going for the biggest influencers because all, the, all that they must do is transfer the message, you know. So it's it really depends on what you want to do with them. And this is also the reason why um, it's really super cool to think deeper in terms of influencer marketing. Um, I have a feeling that influencer, well, a feeling, a belief that influencer marketing, um, that an injustice is done to it because it's seen as completely it's something so simple, banal, you know, like um, you pay a hundred bucks and they tell you something, they're going to be fake anyway, but people still buy it, you know, it honestly. But this is not it. This is like one of the the deepest um, psychological uh, patterns that we have is um, repeating after other people. This is how we learn how to talk, how we learn how to walk. And now we have the opportunity to use this in in customer journeys and this conversion funnels. And if you um, are able to use technology to uh, recognize the patterns on social media and use that to your advantage, you're the king, because these are the channels of the future.
1: Yeah, I love that concept. Um, So I wanted to ask you, what about the contractual side? Um, So how do you handle um, the contract side? How do you make sure that the influencers actually go through with the agenda? And also, how much um, information do you you transmit about the company and about the brand that they're working for? So um, do you make sure that they include the company's values? Um, and their main like unique value propositions in their pitch
0: okay great um, I will try to um, answer both if I <laughs> if I again <laughs> will go to sideways please let me know um, so uh, first of all the contracts well that again depends on the size of the influencer and also bit on the country because uh, different countries have different specifics but it's mostly the size um, with the small ones we don't do collab by collab different um, contract. We have terms and conditions of epidemic, and once they join our community, which is also the predisposition for um, being a part of our campaigns, um, we then send them reminders and stuff and try to keep them, um, to make them keep their word. The thing is that as they are small, they are super eager and usually even over deliver. Um, Of course, you always have the ones that won't do it and no there's really nothing that we can do to them except for say okay you'll be put on a blacklist now which is usually something they don't want if they're working with a company like ours and this is one um one really i think um um usually overlooked uh, good side of working through something somebody like us because first of all when we're um reminding them uh, less and less nicely we're the bad guy not the brand and the brand can never be blamed because they have to uh, watch over their image. And second of all, um, the thing is that if there is one brand and they say, okay, we'll put you on a blacklist, they say, okay, like no biggie, honestly, there are like gazillions of other brands that I can work with. But um, if you're looking at the, uh, the most, um, like the company with the most brands in this aspect in the region, then you're not gonna let them down. Um so yeah we have a bit a kind of, like a bit of a different negotiating power when it comes to influencers and this is why they tend to um hold on to their agreements more um and then the second question i really liked which was um finding the balance between uh, how much information we give them and how much freedom we give them towards it, uh, being creative right yeah exactly um, well, this is something that we've been um, testing since the epidemic, since both epidemics, since they're, they're um, happening simultaneously. So. Um, it, de- it uh, uh, depends a lot on the um, company because some companies are super strict and they really need to. We're working with companies who give us completely um, like open space and you can do whatever you want. And then we're working with companies who want to, who want to see and confirm every visual. Um, so when it comes from the company, we cannot really do a lot of ba- about it. We just make it easier for the client so they have minimum minimum possible work. Um, when it's up to us, we have found this nice balance in which we give them the mood board, we give them, uh, we transfer them the note of communication of the company, uh, good examples that they liked, uh, what they don't like. Um, we try to give as many do's and don'ts as possible. Um, and we equip them with. Um, Terminology and knowledge, because um, the a very great thing with um, smaller influencers, we're talking nano and a lot of micros here, is that they have a lot of questions from their followers, um, so a lot of like engagement um, and they actually talk to them. They talk to each one of them because they're all important for them. But um, for them to be able to actually respond to all that questions, they must know the answers. So we must equip them um, with some knowledge in the area. So we give them as briefly as possible this basic information about the area about the product about the note of communication that should be done however we always tell them okay this is it that you should know that you should um, pay attention to but your profile you were chosen because we like you the brand likes you we like how you uh, communicate to your followers and we would like to be inserted into that communication like don't lose your voice because You know, before that, I said, like, this is just another medium of um, communication. Um, It is, but this one is a bit specific because in other mediums, um, as an advertiser, you pay a lot of money for personalization. And here you don't. You're talking directly to the audiences of people who have managed to get that audience by their way of communication. So you don't have to, like, it would be really, like, bluntly said stupid to um, push them into your line of communication if yeah. you're talking through their channel
1: yeah and it would hurt the influencer as well which would probably make them less likely want to work with you right if they cannot put their own voice their own spin on their creatives it's probably- yeah, they, they, yeah
0: we're we're, we're super caref- careful with that as well so we're um also like really um we're really uh strict with our own value being uh, we don't work with compa- with clients that we would not recommend to our friends so you know you will not get something that is complete like uh, it puts you in a very weird position as an influencer who um values her own profile as she should because she or he gathered the audience around
1: um and i was wondering Um, How do the influencers differ or how does your um, strategy differ depending on the market? So how is it Germany versus the UK versus the US? Have you noticed any differences in terms of the influencers that you're talking to and communicating with?
0: I mean, of course, there are quite a lot of differences, um, honestly, about the communication directly. I cannot tell you because I don't know, like I should bring here like five cms and they would tell you each um, each in their own way how they communicated through um but for example some things that i can share with you are um, some markets are just harder than the other um into harder in terms of how much time we spent per arranging a collaboration Mm -hmm. um for example it's it's i mean it's interesting but then again it's like very um, if you would um, have to um, guess it, you probably would, because uh, we were great in in markets that are more um, filled with like temperament, you know, um, because this is where recommendations work best. And for example, in uh, markets like, for example, German market and um, similar Scandinavian markets, um, the things that work best are the ones that are really from credible brands you should like you you have to be very careful where you when you go there because um they will in the end google they don't do impulse shopping so Mm -hmm. whatever you present to them they will then go google it and then there's the next step so the this path is different um also it's really interesting we love working the northern um markets with um eco products with bio vegan stuff um, because they react really like awesome to it um, then it's also interesting how the Western you go the harder it is um, basically the US is swamped it's mm-hmm. like It's swamped and it shows um, the the, our response rates are completely different than in the other markets. Um, It's just harder to get there. And then again, you know, we're some, this European uh, European company, you know, it's not so attractive. Maybe it would be different if you would have a um, HQ in I don't know, Silicon Valley, probably different. Um, But yeah, there are like, there are a lot of uh, differences, but this is also why we have different um, CMs and different uh, key accounts that take care of like okay not every market their own key account but they know the specifics of their markets and therefore they try to um make everything better for them
1: um so now I wanted to okay like um I wanted to go for the example um so you had a brand that reached out um they were like okay we're looking for um let's say conversions we're looking really we're looking at um you know, subscription conversions um and your AI Anton has gone through like the various list of influencers and has put forward a few influencers um now these influencers made a couple of posts a few stories um so now we're at the stage of reporting to your clients, so I wanted to ask: How do you actually measure the success of a campaign? Um, is it easy to measure, or is it quite difficult? Because um, does it really correlate? Uh, how do you correlate it with the regular sales already, or the campaigns, paid ad campaigns that they're already
0: producing? okay so i'm sorry to be repeating myself but it depends a lot on the goal of the campaign um for example few of our most um common goals are brand awareness um direct sales um ig profile growth um, and user-generated content so like they just need photos and videos, and then they usually push them forward in ads or create create our um, online presence with them. So when it comes to starting with the easiest one, when it comes to UGC, it's very simple to measure, basically. The number of um, content created is one and the number of content approved by the client is the second step in measuring that. Um, when um, the goal is brand awareness, we go for, the normal one impressions um, it's basically the I think that the, the general um, metric for measuring brand awareness um, in digital um, and when wait then the last one is sales but I have one more oh yeah when it comes to growth of certain I don't know IG profile or newsletter sign up or something again super straightforward you know how to measure it um, and the most complicated is sales mm-hmm. um, this one, it can be simple. If we if we get promo codes, it's quite simple. Um, if we get swipe ups and work with the bigger ones, it's again simple. Um, then it also works great with referral codes. Um, however, when where it gets a one example of the. I think that the easiest campaign and also the most fun for us, for us to measure because it's based on referral was Volt. Um, we actually came with Volt to, like, when Volt came to Slovenia, they went, we directly started collaborating. And um, we are measuring, um, we were super intrigued in, like, we can finally measure this because our biggest, um, the, the biggest part of our clients are like these big international companies. and. For example, I don't know with Jacobs or Pampers. How will you measure how much you sold? Because I mean, they're everywhere anyway. Um, so we couldn't really measure so much up to that um, um, up to that campaign. And uh, there it was really nice because we got like um, direct information for their ROI, which was great. By the way, we're talking like about one thousand five hundred percent in the first two, two months, and then we could we could all, also see like what we are capable of that we can cannot normally see um yeah that's basically if you have basically links i like utms or promo codes the easiest way amazing
1: um and what about um how long would you recommend working with an influencer what is the benefits of working with an influencer uh, for just a certain campaign and moving onwards or versus having someone that really stays with the brand for a few years um and is almost like a spokesperson for that brand
0: um i usually recommend that we divide this into two separate um collaborations one are influencers the second one are ambassadors um and we usually make a funnel that we help the company go from influencers to ambassadors so basically um in the oh and before you mentioned presenting our results to the client, well, um, as I showed you um, on one of our prev- previous meetings, um, we have this cute dashboard that shows all the content and all the statistics to the client. And throughout the dashboard, they can also see and um, make favorites among the influencers in their current campaigns. Um, and if somebody is performing for them for you know two three months and we see that they really like the brand and the pro um, and the products and everything, then we suggest the client if they're interesting in if they're interested to start um, inviting them to become an ambassador. Um, and this is something completely different. Um, so we're also the, the the messages are different, and then you can work a lot more with an ambassador, but you're losing on the reach, like. Um, it's going to be the same person over and over again and his followers or her her followers will stay the same um so it's good to have a mixture a few of them that give you credibility that you go with them like along the way and then um we usually um exchange in, on this monthly social presences we exchange um, up to 80% of all uh, of all um, influencers that are a part of this campaign and we let the 20 best 20% let uh, stay in and then again and again so we're doing like this um balance between um credibility and reach and then
1: uh, for these uh, 20% that end up being brand ambassadors um would you consider Would you prefer considering um, larger influencers, or it's more like who did the best job in the
0: campaign? Sorry for saying this, but it depends, I think. Because, um, I mean, it, it depends a lot on the budget. Because if you want to have a big ambassador right now, I mean, it's even... In the past year, it's been pretty much like tick, tack, tick, tac It's like, um, for example, food supplement. Are, food supplements are a very good um, field. Everybody was like, um, everybody who wanted to get some somebody like somebody to promote them on social media had to hurry a lot in the last year because almost everybody is already taken. So if you're looking for small influencers to become your ambassadors, you have more maneuvering space and then you can ask them to do more things. And if you're talking about the big ones, um, it's usually hard to get them if you're not the first mover. And if you can get them, they will be more expensive. But of course, as an ambassador who will also probably provide you with content, it's good that it's a known face. It definitely doesn't hurt.
1: Um, so I wanted to ask you now, what are some of the tips um, that you would give to companies that are thinking about starting influencer marketing? Um, they're not sure whether or not do it in-house or hire an agency. What are like um, some tips that you would give them to like help them get started?
0: Um, well, the second question, I'm kind of biased. I think that you should hire an agency. No, just kidding. I mean, it, of course, depends a lot on the... Um, on the the scope of collaborations that you're planning to do. Honestly, if you're planning to do one, two, um, influencers, maybe three, um, you can do it yourself. However, I would suggest that you talk, at least talk to somebody who's an expert in the field before, otherwise you're just gonna be, you know, um, Sometimes they say, I don't have enough money to um, not pay money for this. So basically I think that if you're saving money on this, you can sometimes just hurt yourself in the long run. Um, But in general, I think up to a few influencers, you can do it yourself. If you're talking about bigger numbers, try it in a month, call us (laughs) because this is what usually happens um when companies want to do it on their own and then they try and then they see that it gets very very tiring um but if if in terms of startups smaller companies stuff like that you want to do it yourself be super super um careful about the numerical values about the engagement this is the most basic thing um, the ratio of engagement to followers Um, also, following to followers because if this ratio is wrong, you're probably dealing with somebody who has follow for follow, um, which means that their audience is not a very high quality. Um, you also have tools online when you can check their audience um, and you can also see if their followers sometimes sound like this, which means that they bought them. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Maya, I can send you um, uh, one slide of a presentation I had a webinar on influencer marketing with. 10 major rules. Um, And then if anybody will be interesting and will reach out, you can send it to them. It's like the 10 basic rules of uh, do it yourself in influencer marketing.
1: Yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you. Um, We can put it in the chat below um, this video so that anybody that wants to take a look um, is able to download it and have it as well. Definitely. Amazing. Um, And so if a company does decide to then do it in-house, they're like, okay, uh, you know what? I think this is this is the direction. This is the trajectory that we want to go into. Um, would you recommend um, having someone that's already like like a marketing manager to handle that 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 uh, sector as well, or would you uh, recommend perhaps hiring someone that, that this this specifically, um, as it, it does involve quite a lot of work um, and day to day communication.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, like if you have somebody that is free and please make it a super young person, because it's really this is only doable if you're super handy with Instagram, otherwise you just use like two times too much work. but if you have somebody available to do it for a few influencers this is probably the best idea otherwise i think that as soon as you start hiring people it's cheaper to outsource it because influencer marketing really is a thing that if you walk if you do it um on foot um, it's super expensive in hours, but the quality is falling. And if you if you're doing like very small sizes, and if in, and you have somebody who scopes sorry, very small scopes, and if you have somebody who has a few hours per week, let them do it. If you say, okay, this is working for us, um, and we want to increase this, well, uh, what usually turned out for us is that um, the cl- the clients who hire a person. Um, then kind of figure out that they still have to buy a tool if they want that person to that person to work well, which means that um, outsourcing the whole thing to somebody who has uh, streamlined and standardized processes its simply cheaper and better.
1: Um, and as a, like, a final uh, topic of our conversation, I wanted to just ask about your entrepreneurship journey. How did you get started? Um, I believe you graduated relatively recently and um, went tra- straight into entrepreneurship and created this company. Um, so I just wanted to kind of hear a little bit about your story as well.
0: Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, uh, th- this is a, f- it's a funny question. I-, I got it now two times in two weeks and I've started actually thinking about it. Like, when did you decide? That's the thing, I haven't. I haven't, this is, it-, it all just happened. Um, since I was little, I actually was thinking in this way. Um, And yeah, it's true that I went into entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship right after finishing. Otherwise, I finished my uh, master's five years ago at 22. Um, But I went into my first startup company, which was not this, obviously. (laughs) Um, So that was a mobile app um, called Boomerang. And then after I exited from that, uh, thing which was not a successful exit um we um then later on started the epidemic so basically um yeah i've been in there in entrepreneurship since i can i mean since the beginning um also i've done some smaller projects when i was in high school and then um on college but this is i think that um this is it like it's the first time that i feel it <laughs> that it's happening in the, in the right direction everything yeah. and you also
1: um if i if i'm not mistaken you have two partners that you work with um, yes that kind of helped uh, to create this company as well
0: definitely okay now that you pointed it out like it yeah definitely i de- i had so much help that yeah we're i'm always the one talking about it and then everybody's like how did you and i was like it was not me but in slovenia it's like you know it's visible when you say you here <laughs> yeah it's um it's the three of us um martin the developer um Gaspar is the data analyst and myself that we started all of this um now there are many more Santa's helpers as well but um the three of us started the thing um yeah Martin is um, anton's dad so (laughs) he he's the uh, right he's right now the um, driver of our growth but for sure um and yeah that's oh and for something else if somebody just in case is listening to this and wants to start um something um anything on their own just read the lean startup Because everything we did in Epidemic was completely like we took Lean Startup as a Bible. I would totally do it again. Um, Of course, there's a certain time in the the company when you have to step out of it. But you know when it comes. Um, So I would definitely recommend it to everyone. And another thing, um, we're always hiring. So if you see yourself as somebody who is really agile and um, like witty, this is the these are maybe the two qualities that we um uh, that we value the most in epidemic. It doesn't really matter if you have someone so much expertise. The thing is that you're handy and you know how to Google stuff. <laughs> okay.
1: Perfect. Um, is there any anything final that you would like to add? Um,
0: no, this was actually the open call for <laughs> the open yeah. call for Perfect. um employees. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so like, I, um, then in that case, um, yeah, if anybody would like to work with Epidemic or work for Epidemic, um, they're a fast growing company, they're amazing, they're full of young, um, agile people ready to take on the world. So um, I would definitely recommend um, checking their platform um, and reaching out to them. Um, Nika, thank you so much.
0: Maya, when we'll take over the world, do you think that we should rename to Pandemic?
1: i just (laughs) kidding. I like that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, Yeah, thanks
0: for inviting me. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining.
0: Bye. Bye.